Outside of here, I just, and not even in the region. Either. When did you get here? Twenty. What was it? Twenty twenty-one. Really? From where? Massachusetts. Hmm. And um, all the travel I've done has been back home via car yeah. or flight. I've taken some flights to Connecticut and you know Boston too, but. Yeah, all, all my travel's been sort of 81 through Virginia and back, and yeah. And then, even in the region, since I've been here, I've, I've realized I've never been to Bryson City. I've never been. Really? Yeah, I've never been to a lot of these towns. It's a really good grocery store. Oh wow! Side of the road, Bryson <laughs> City. <laughs> but you start to. I, I moved here and got comfortable in the town, yeah. and then it's funny how that works. You know, my dad was one of those guys, he's, you know, he lives in the house that he built, three houses down from the house he grew up in, the farm that he grew up on, and he's never, he's been to Boston once, you know, he lives an hour and a half away, and that's, uh, I don't want to do that to myself, I don't want to be hive-minded, just getting to my, you know, just my head. So, how, wait, so why do you think it's hive-minded to just, well, to just to do that? Really, if you're from Massachusetts, you've been to Boston once. Oh, your dad lives in Massachusetts. I thought he was raised in uh, Silva or something. Yeah, they're moving. They're moving out. They're going to retire. But in Silva. Yeah. See, so he's getting out. But to, but I mean your own backyard. There's something something wrong with it to me with not knowing your own hundred mile radius. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. And uh, since I moved here, I. I've done that. You know, it's only been two years, but not two years. Never been to Bryson City. I've never been in the western edges of the, the state, you know, in the southwest. I've gone to Knoxville, 40, a few times, but I've never, you know, I don't know the counties of Western Carolina outside of Haywood and a little bit of Madison and yeah. Hendersonville. Like we go to Hendersonville sometimes. It's nice. Oh, really? You ever been? Have you been? No, I have a friend who lives there, has a coffee shop. It, really? It's, there, yeah. it's a it's a nice town. Yeah. Yeah. So here. Uh, so anyway, the trip to, to scratch that itch. First one to Scotland. Nice. I'm not Scottish. You probably are. But it looks cool. And then the other one, I booked to Florence, which we know you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, we're go- so I'm going to Florence, going home, I feel, you know, that one's, the, 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 you gotta go to Florence, Italy, I know you've been, but I've got a nice 23-hour layover in Barcelona, too. What? Nice little bonus. So we're gonna get a, we're landing in Barcelona at like 11 a.m. I have a friend who's in Barcelona right now. Really? Yeah, she's just, for how long? I don't know, she's been a long time. She's traveling there, or she's living there? No, she's, she's been sick. 
Lots of food, looks really good. I'm just gonna get one night there, but hey, that's a little bonus. Yeah, I'm gonna wait the streets, little. beautiful. That huge cathedral that the, is I gotta go. I forget what it's called. It looks like a beautiful city, though. Yeah, it is. It is. Have it's you been? Like, no, but it's the darling of city planners is Barcelona. Yeah, it's by the bay. It's by the water, and it's the perfect climate, and it's cultural. You know, it's European cities look so magical. I've only been to Reykjavik, so, which is very uh, modern. Yeah. It's beautifully clean. Yeah. But it's not known for its architecture. You know, so what is it, Iceland? Yeah. I mean, it's so clean, but it's... It's like the Japan of the Nordic countries. Sort of, I guess. Everything should be, but then everything's clean. There's nothing jagged anywhere. There's no jagged architecture. It's just, you know, how a lot of the Scandinavian... Yeah. I think a lot of our modern, modern architecture is really Scandinavian in nature. I think. Um, or at least is really hinted at, hints at it, you know? Austria, maybe. Austria? Austria has a lot of old world gothic, though. True, true, but the Bauhaus, because all modern modern architecture is essentially the children of Bauhaus, which is probably a lot of the architecture that's in Iceland. Where there is architecture, it's a rural country. Right. Reykjavik is small. Yeah. It's a city because it's pricey. Yeah. But um, every you know that's a funny country because everywhere you know you go there. Oh, I saw a really funny thing about Iceland. Was it? I think it was Iceland. What's funny about it though is everybody's cousins. Yeah. 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 They're all related. There was this app, and they all know each other. See that? Yeah. It's, a, it's one town. It's like it's like Haywood County, but in a country. I saw this ad, or was it, I don't know what it was, but it showed up in my feed, and it was for these this app in Iceland. I think it was a joke, but uh, these two kids, you know, like college age, they meet up this guy and this girl in a bar. And before anything happens, they're like, sure they're not related. They're like, <laughs> okay, let's check the app. <laughs> and so they check, and they're like third cousins, and they're like, it's too close. So then they leave. That's funny. Yeah. And then there were comments like, they need to have this app in Alabama. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Pretty funny. Okay, so you got Scotland. Barcelona, quick Barcelona. Let's play trials. That's when is this? Well, Scotland's May 29th, 31st. So we're gonna have to phone in the broad. Well, way down the line. Yeah. Well, I'm only so Italy's not gonna be super long. How long is Scotland? Scotland's long. How long? It's like 11 days. That's not long. Ten days of being there. That's, that's long to my wallet. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a good chunk of time. No, it is. I think in Italy we're only going to be on the ground for seven days, but we're not doing the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're doing Florence. No, that's we're fine. not going to Milan. We're not going to Venice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
This isn't on my, it's not, we're not, oh, let's go to Rome. No, we're just, you know what you should do though when you're in Florence is you should hop over to the Amalfi Coast. Oh, far is that? Not that far. But is that near Pisa? Is it the west coast? Yeah. Yeah, Pisa's west. Yes, yes. Pisa's you can only easy, like, easily go to Pisa. We're I going to. We're going to because it's about it's an hour and yeah. ten minutes drive. Yes. But the reason you should go to the Amalfi Coast is because you're a cafe racer, and that's like the cafe racer's dream. Really? For sure. Maybe we can rent the motorcycle there. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Go I dream. Coast. You have a dream? What's your dream? <laughs> you just said it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you only get so many vacation days when you're wed to the system, you know? So mm-hmm. I just... Originally, we were going to do another 11 days, in, and I could have done it, but it would have been every vacation day I had left. And then you wouldn't have anything left for Buenos Aires. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> At least not, not this, this year. year. Not this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With better planning. Yeah. Um, early next year, even, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. But why not? Why not? But I want to plan a trip like that, especially something that far away. Uh, That's when we're going to hunt BAP down. <laughs> <laughs> I want to plan a trip like that, though. I like a nine month, nine months out, just have it done. Just oh, be yeah. like, bought the flight. Yeah. By the time you get to it, it's all, it's well paid for. Yes. And then you just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, you buy it a month and a half out. You're like, I, I'm going to be in debt while I'm going there. Right. Um, so that's what, I, that's, that's what I say. Sorry, God. my buddy. Speaking of motorcycles, my buddy just bought one. I forgot to turn on the, the timer here. But um, yeah. So what did he get? He bought a, the bike I one of the bikes I have in my garage. A oh, no. Honda Shadow 750. He didn't buy a yeah. Triumph. But oh, he bought from a, you? No, 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 no. Okay, he bought okay. the same model. I see. Which my my faithful trusty Honda Shadow 750 is 37,000 miles on it. I've never had to take it apart to clean it, to get to the, to, to run. Yeah. Carburation's always worked well. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, like a Honda machine, the abuse it'll take and just work for you with a battery charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I've had that bike for years. I've ridden it all conditions. Love that. And uh, still have it. I can't let it go because it was actually a gift. Mm. Um, that was like... Who gave it to you? The most I've ever been spoiled. And right. I, I was like, I can't take this. It was my parents. Yeah, it was, it was like a college graduation gift. Wow. This like... That's nice. Nearly $3,000 motorcycle. That's nice. It's like, Jesus, I feel like such a spoiled little bitch right now. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't used to it. Well, you know, hey, your dad's not leaving town, but he's sending you off. Well, that was, I mean, this was, I mean, God, college is 10 years ago now. I graduated. Yeah, yeah. Almost 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. I'm 33. I was a late bloomer in 23. You're 33? Yeah. When did you turn 33? September. The other day. I'll be 34. Oh, September. my gosh, coming up. Yeah. Dang. Wait, I got you a book for your birthday. Yeah, it was uh, Prince. Yeah, 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 The Little Prince. The Little Prince. Nice, nice edition. Macmillan. So. Blue guys. Yeah, I, it's it's actually on the good shelf. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so today, I'm just going to 
you know, we're going to talk about a little bit about Expat Press. For anyone who listens, we we like to alternate between something in the canon and then something that's alive now. And Expat Press is very much alive now, in fact. Um, and something that's a little shorter. <laughs> a little, yeah. Because <laughs> some of these novels, the, we want to be, you know, coming at you every 10 days. But some of the novels are... Well, the problem is... Okay, so here's the problem. I finished Russell, The History of Western Philosophy. I finished that. No, 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 same. Right? But I'm reading... So much that I'm reading. You're reading War and Peace right now. I'm still reading War and Peace, and I'm also reading My Rise and Fall again. Right. Because... Because we're going to do a podcast on fascism. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It would be interesting. It's a... This book... Have you Have you read it? No. Oh no, my God. I pulled it NASA. Out, Is it really good? No, it's very good. It's it's. But it's prescient. It's so. Poignant. Oh my God. Timely. You read it and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. This is right here. This is the. And I'm not one to say fascism's here and communism's here, in modern society because yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. I think people who do that have no art- artistic thinking. Yes. They're just like, you're a Nazi or a fascist, and yeah, they're yeah, a commie, yeah, yeah. and they're you know, it's like. It's lazy to just yeah. say that movements now are repeating 19, you know, 30, yeah, yeah, 35. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't like that. I, I don't, because, first of all, especially Italian fascism, and yeah. I'm not trying to go here because we're going to go into expat press, but Italian fascism is so uniquely linked to the the Roman man, the culture, the... the right. It's so, it's the romance, the... The endurance of that that mm-hmm. it's not possible to replicate in the United States but you can replicate the conditions for a for a similar conflict well it would be very hard <clears throat> to deify the state the way that the Italians did it right and also the Germans and the Russians well, the, the Germans um, deify the folk the Volk but right the, but the, they the, they deified the race they so made the that Italian- God the Italians did Mussolini to really an extent was a racial, but he he saw race as nation nationality. Right. He saw the Italian race, like he saw that as a yeah. race. Yeah. It wasn't like the white race. <clears throat> right. That's actually a misconception too about Nazism. I mean, I mean, Poles were white, and Hitler was you know perfectly willing and ready to eliminate them. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> it wasn't about like whites <clears throat> and non-whites. It was like. Germans. <laughs> yeah. And then it were like certain types of Germans, you know? Right. Eventually it would have been like 10 people left in the world. You yeah. Know? Like Hannah Arndt says. Right. It would have never stopped. It would right. Just... <clears throat> well, what else is interesting is that this kind of Italian deification of the state is a deification of a modern invention. Uh, because if you go back far enough, what is Italy? It was lots of tribes, but to, to have the idea of Italian, this mm. is a new thing, just like German is a new thing. Before that, you had all these little fiefdoms spread out, and then you had all these little tribes and these fief- fiefdoms, and it's, the state, as is pretty well known and accepted, is, you know, a new concept. So, fascism, just like communism and what free market capitalism are or liberalism 
for us. It's all just modern political inventions. Uh, and but this is why you have a person like, say, uh, Alexander Dugan, who says we need a fourth way. But the fascinating thing about the fascism that separates it from communism, capital, you know, yeah. neoliberalism, is that it's, it makes a claim to the past. True. It's Where, very much uh, yeah. historically uh, oriented mm -hmm. because it relies on history for its identity. Mm -hmm rather than like some kind of race ontology that well the germans have well so this is the thing i mean and then some kind of like material transcendentalism that uh, liberalism has the, the thing that people can't get through their heads is that there's a different there's a big difference between fascism yeah that you know bloomed with franco and actually in spain and in, in italy with mussolini and national socialism Right. It's not even. I mean, there are there were uh, alliances between them. Yeah, but it's not the same ideology. It's right. Far. It's f there are so many things separating them. So people just use that the fascism thing for two reasons. I think as as a just bad, bad, bad. Which you know, perfectly good arguments for being bad. But one, they tie it to Hitler. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But also the linguistic element of it. Right. Italy, the bundle, mm -hmm. the bundle of, you know, the yeah. fascisti. Yeah. Uh, that, that is not an ugly word. It, sounding. Yeah. When someone says fascism in this country, it, it sounds, sounds bad. It just sounds it sounds ugly. like snakeish. So people just say, you're a fascist. That's why you have people calling like communists fascists. And you're like, that's such a, such a mistake. Yeah. You're just saying that because you, you, you're like, this sounds bad. Yeah. So I want to call this bad thing right. a bad thing. But it's not ideologically. Yeah. It's not even close. Right. I mean, the history behind Italian fascism, as you, you probably know, is that they were people who fought with the communists. Mm -hmm. They fought them in the streets mm -hmm. um, to death a lot of the times. So yeah. People were killed. and <clears throat> It wasn't... Fascism isn't just like when people censor the press. Right. Or, right, right, right. Or like when someone's mean to you online <clears throat> or you get doxxed. That's yeah. not... It's not what it... It's an actual ideology. Yeah. And it's... Anyway... We'll talk about it in full some Yeah, time. yeah, we'll get into <clears throat> it. Um, I just, I hate the laziness of American sort of engagement in the words. Same, and it's Everybody's also... Everybody's a commie or a fascist. Like, you do, you just, oh my God, man. It, it's also ironic when we live in this completely relativistic society where there's like no such thing as truth and everyone's like, well, that's your truth, my truth, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. But these same people who are into your truth, my truth, want to make truth claims about the evilness of quote-unquote fascism and they want to make excuses for communism which means that they are appealing to some kind of standards in order goes the to other make way their claims them. right it's the same thing a communist or this and the and well nobody's defending fat everybody says fascism is bad right even the right the left but you know communists are everywhere right right know? right right it's like Come on, everybody, every single person in this country is is a liberal. Yeah, that's a, that's actually the the, the truth. Everybody. That's probably the bad one. Like <laughs> you know, in the in the in the large course of time, what will be the worst insult? Will it have been to be called a fascist? 
a communist or a liberal? Well, because, you know, to some degree, the, you don't... Liberalism is the absence of believing in anything. It's just whatever you can right, grasp. It's just the most godless yeah. political system it's, it's, it is imaginable. The, it is the system of trying to get votes and shifting your skin to do it. Yeah. Where it, you know, like a, like a chameleon. It's just pure machinery. Whereas, you know, I have to respect the Lenins and the, and the Mussolinis of the world who were like, no, I believe this and I yeah. will believe it. Yeah. By the sword, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hate well, at, least they, at least they believed in they something. They believed in something, yeah. <clears throat> Rather than these systems that believe in nothing. Right. So we'll get into it someday, though. I mean, it's, it is so good. It will require a little bit of reading, at least on my part. I actually have a small stack of fascist literature. No, studies in... Like D'Annunzio and whatnot? Yeah, I have D'Annunzio. The role I have... Uh, him, him and Mussolini some, were like... Were like Evola, some Dugan... I mean, but if you actually want to encounter any real information mm -hmm. on this topic, you actually have to go to these guys. So, and I'm not apologizing. I'm just well, it's very letting you know. You have to because anybody who writes on it can't can't get to it. Mm -hmm. It is this funny thing. Have you ever had these topics or these thoughts or these things that you think about, and no matter how you study them or whatnot you come away feeling like you just don't know still yeah yeah <laughs> you just like that it was uh reading chesterson's book on a sissy mm. i don't i couldn't get the f really i couldn't get i couldn't figure i said this to uh taylor i said i could not get francis out of this book i just couldn't find him i it danced around him. It was like it was like a book full of these theses. Yeah, this uh, is that's actually really funny to hear you say, um, because Chesterton, God bless him, and I've enjoyed certain of his writing. Actually, I enjoyed the Everlasting <clears throat> Man, but I thought that Orthodoxy was kind of it had gems here and there. But he's just so in love with his Godforsaken paradoxes. Everything is a paradox. Paradox this, paradox mm. that. It's just like, enough, my man. Just tell it to me straight. I know you can. He was a very good So he good dances writer. a lot. Yeah. For, for a big guy, he danced a lot. <laughs> Quite frankly, he danced a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. So, um, all right, moving on, moving on. We are, we are into this thing. So, Expat Press. Uh, Great name. Yeah, it is. It's, um, I have the website popped up right here. <clears throat> Cool logo. Who's the editor? Traditional again? typeset font, uh, typewriter font. I believe Manuel, and I don't want to get this wrong. I should know this. Manuel Ferrero sounds about right. Do uh, I follow this guy? If I have yeah. this wrong, yeah, um, and I can look this up, so I'm not, you know, he can correct us. He can correct us, but he is. I believe he's owner, editor, sort of overseer. Mm -hmm. He has a, I mean, there's a whole store here, um, and we'll, we'll link people with the store later, but there's a whole shop, and he has a book in the shop. Oh, yeah. That is two volumes. I can tell you right now, actually. Yeah, yeah. what's it called? It is called, uh, what the hell is it called? Well, there's, we're going to read one of these books. I think we were going to read a book by that book by Jin Wu, right? At some point? Yes. Okay, so it is Manuel Marrero or Marrero. Okay. Um, 
and the two volumes. Uh, yeah, he has a book called Not Yet, and this is <laughs> it's like War and Peace length. Really? Between the two, yeah. I had no idea this this gentleman wrote eleven hundred and four pages. I had uh, over two volumes. I had no idea he he had written so extensively. What size is the font? What is the spacing? Probably sixty-four font. Uh, <laughs> no, um, looks That's cool impressive. though. This is That's the book. impressive. That's Not cool. Yet. That's oh, a cool. I like yeah. I like the girl on the cover. To be honest, I'd have to to read eleven hundred and four pages. It's asking a lot, Manuel. And also the thirty dollars price. Well, no, that's, that's two volumes. It's fifteen. It's thirty-four two volumes. Yeah, that's a great deal. Yeah, fifteen piece. That's a great deal. I think it's a steal actually, and I think that Manuel should be charging forty. Well, you work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, probably but forty-five. I would I've say. said the same, but a lot. Of, it's a lot to ask. But Kanazgar does this. He asks that of us. Right. We've discussed this but, off air. Like the concept of writing an 1,100-page or multi-volume work in the year 2023 AD. You should be able to do that. Well, I I agree, but you better be saying something worthwhile. Or <clears throat> it's not that. It's 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 you better. We better be able to cash that check. That's right. Yeah. You know. And. Who's to say Manny didn't do it? I, or I think he goes by Manny. Well, I don't. Let's find out. I don't know. We'll Maybe find we'll read out. It. We'll read it. Maybe. That's cool. I like the audacity. I like audacious writers. Yeah. Um, especially now because, you know, there was that, that Sam Bankman Freed quote that was floating all over Twitter. I posted it to my story. And he said, if you wrote a book, you fucked up. It should have been a six-paragraph blog post or something like that. Some tech bro idiot would say yeah, that, you know. Exactly. Um, which just shows, you know, the intellectual peasantry and spiritual peasantry of these morons running around crashing banks and the Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. I've had friends all week sending me like these articles about the libertarians of Silicon Valley. Dude, I have been reading my libertarian literature this week. <laughs> Libertarianism is... No. Rothbard. Nozak. Oh, you don't like it? What? Libertarianism. No. What? No, I don't. Wow. It's because you're a lib. When I was... <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I was uh, in, you know, starting political engagement, and I was bouncing around, I was like, well, I like Ron Paul, because... You know, American libertarianism is associated I know why you don't like li libertarianism. It's, first of all... You it, don't like it politically because you feel it siphons off votes from the conservatives. I agree. No, that's not true. I don't like politic libertarianism because it's a, it's, a, it's a way out of actually having to engage and believe in something. That's what I just said. No, you just said it siphons votes off of a, right. the other shitty political yeah, party. Yeah, yeah, because you think you're doing something, but you're not. It's it's like I get to I get to wade in the middle, man. Like I get to have these ideals, but I don't uh -huh. have to have any arm of enforcement. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, no, I'm not. You know, libertarianism works in a world. It's like it's like Christian social, so, uh, socialism. It works if you follow the principles. If you have a society that's all in. Like like Thomas More's Utopia. If everybody if everybody is a gospel follower, you can have the utopia to some degree. 
you don't need the state like to to do it because you know everybody's on board i just can't get past moore's idea that everyone should have their the same color as the paint for their house you know and this is one of the reasons why prague is so colorful because when they got rid of communism in the czech republic or what it was czechoslovakia and now it's czech republic they immediately started painting everything all these different colors. It looks amazing. It was like spring. And that's another reason why communism is retarded. It's because <laughs> it's anti-beauty. It's it anti-difference. It sure, yeah, it is, for sure. There's no... I don't even know if, if, if communists would argue that. I mean, we'd have to ask our communist friends. Do we have any? What's Kai? Is Kai a communist? He's like a right-wing Leninist. Leninist. I'm blocking him today. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "What's your what's your friend's what's your friend's uh, political feel? He's a, he's a right-wing Leninist. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what my actual what is that? It's like a, it's like if it doesn't matter. It's like if Steve Bannon got up and said, "We must seize seize the means of production." <laughs> It's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Which he does say that, doesn't he? No, no, not quite. I mean, but to a degree, he. somebody told me once he said he's a Leninist. And I said, we must seize the memes of production. Seize the memes of production. Um, but uh, to continue, though, Expat Press, um, there's something cool about this, this uh, site. The site. Because they post a, a ton of the writing just up there in like this yeah. cataloged writing yeah. list. Yeah. And so for this one, we went and we read two stories. Um, we read a really short one that I thought it was interesting. It's kind of sticking with me. It was by Gwen. Who was that by? Um, Gwen oh. Hilton. It was called Oranges. But it's not really inter like of interest to to probably either of us. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It, I think it would take an entire broadcast to really get into it, but um, it just, it's not for this broadcast. It's just not, it's not for me. And you know, one of the, you can have this subject. Absolutely. But, but, and you can do it in a, in a Bukowskian way. You sure. can have it like, just like, whoa, hear this, things happen. Yes. And the subject, you know, it's sexual abuse, really, is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Of a minor. Um, just to, to spoil it, this, the story's called Oranges. It's from February 10th, or at least the posting is. Um, but I do feel like if you're, gonna, if you're going to throw this on a reader, it does need to be just more, it needs to be longer. The characters need to be something that you're really right engaged in, and um, so that was a little that was a little tough for me. I don't think it's uninteresting. I, I think that is actually probably the best critique that you can give to it, which is that okay, with very sensitive topics like that, um, they need to be very carefully framed. There needs to be a frame around them. But not, not censored frame. Not censored, but there needs to be a frame. And part of the framing is developing the characters, giving them their whole story, putting them in context so that the whole thing is very solid. Like there's a sound foundation when you're engaging with what is really, because anything sexual is inherently sacred, when you're engaging with this sacred content, mm -hmm. 
uh, you're engaging with it on a stable foundation, and and therefore, it's it's. I think it's just that's the honorable way to present that kind of information. But to just, it's like if you met somebody on the street, and you didn't even know their name, and then you just started telling them like the craziest, right most harmful traumatic shit that happened to you in your Cole life. Cole Ridge's run yeah. of the ancient mariner. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, uh, I don't even know you. Um, why, like, how am I supposed to yeah, make sense? Yeah, you need to or, know. Or, Not only know, though. Yeah. Because, but you, you also have to make... I, I have a hard time sympathizing also when I don't have the, the right. longer arc of context. So, um, I also think that it's a bit sloppy because... Uh, the pause. general idea or well, the... Paz has that thing that he talks about where he says that you know, certain Spanish writers like to talk about, you know, they write about defecation and like yeah. all the bodily functions in order to shock you and they're being lazy because they're not actually putting in the work to deliver something that is really finely crafted that is really going to touch you they think like well if i just talk about like the most horrendous things the dirtiest things then i immediately have like this right secret back door into uh i don't know your attention <clears throat> yeah and i think that that is uh it's it's a little bit insulting actually well for, for me it's it's the idea that you if you're gonna, you, we, should, we should absolutely be, write and engage the ugliest things sure. in the world. But yeah. your job as a as, writer, as, as an artist, yeah. I think, is to still try and make it a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you can, mm -hmm. you really don't want. You know, it's. I don't need a. I don't need it to be positive. I can have the same story. Yes. But you know, uh, poetic gestures. You know, it's just. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an example. Cormac McCarthy, Blood Meridian, I've talked about this before. Yeah. It is horrendous. Yeah. His scalping, you yeah. know, Apache tribes. Yeah, yeah. The devil himself is in the story. Yeah. I mean, he's a monster. Yeah. Um, there are scenes that are hinted at of this devil figure's Judge Holden. Yeah. Uh, raping a boy. Aye. And it's seen. Really? And he's killing, he kills puppies for fun. And, Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's horrible. It's horrendous. Hmm. And um, McCarthy isn't exactly writing like Thomas Wolfe. He's more of a Faulkner, a, a student of Faulkner. Mm -hmm. But it's still, it's one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. I can't yeah. explain that to you. I, I'm not not trying to sound like a lunatic, but yeah. it really is a beautiful book. You sound book. like a lunatic, right? Yeah, now. yeah, of course. <laughs> It, but it's it's beautiful, and you take away you you don't read these horrible things and think to yourself, well, that's just horrible. You have to you have to be able to digest it. Uh, the it, the Wind Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. Have I've never read, read Murakami. You might like him. Maybe. I'm not sure. I he like sells him. a ton of them in, in uh, Asheville. Really? I, well, I don't know if I can say that I just like him point blank. I do like that book. I like Norwegian Wood. Um, I've read a handful of his other books that I liked less. But in Wind Up Bird, there's this scene about three quarters of the way through the book, and I'll, <laughs> I'll spoil it for some people, but... 
<clears throat> this guy gets skinned alive. A, a Bartholomew death. Oh, who's that? St. Bartholomew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yes. flayed. Yeah, so this guy gets flayed uh, in, the de- in the desert on a sand dune. And there's when it's all done, there's just this huge puddle of blood. And this dude, like, without skin, dying in his in this puddle and the whole thing is completely described to you but what is (laughs) funny when you consider the whole arc of the book the whole thing you just told me is hilarious actually (laughs) is that you know the heat of the the desert the main character is like constantly like cooking pasta and you know making miso soup and he he goes to the cafe and he gets a little cafe au lait he stops by the bookstore he's reading his magazines you know and then he has this like magic realism uh story that he's existing in but then you know three quarters of the way through the book there and there is a reason for it it's not just random but there's like the gnarliest thing you can possibly imagine happening and it's kind of like a crescendo almost you know when you're considering the whole novel but you come off of it and then it's back to you know like wells and and uh you know brooding japanese girls and uh and pasta again so it's that is, I think, what is required uh, to present something as so insane. Sounds, so the darkness is the climactic event. Yes, and it's 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 smoothed out. It's not the end of the story. So. Right, and it's it's actually kind of like you know biting into a piece of fruit. Mm. There's all this meat, but then there are the seeds, and the seeds are the, the thing deepest inside, which you know also. What if it's GMO GMO fruit? Then there's no seeds. Yeah, which is also very interesting (laughs) symbolically because because the whole GMO idea is like there's no life (laughs) underneath all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really good. Um, But yeah, that's I think what's going on with oranges. This is probably GMO oranges. There's no seeds in here. uh, Maybe. Yeah, (laughs) you know, or it's just all seed and no meat. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no padding, you know? There's no, like, arc, really. It felt like a, jur- a journal entry. It was, yeah, you know? definitely. Uh, and um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't write off the writer. I, I, that's not I, like I did with the book we read for the cast. Uh, Which one was that? Uh, uh, my Year of Rest. Oh my I wouldn't. Gosh. I wouldn't read another book by her. No. Again, you know, I wouldn't tell somebody necessarily not to, but it's not for me. You know, and I understand when the things are not for me. I like a certain line of literature. Sure. I, I'm, um, which really kind of brings us to the next story that we read from Expat. Yeah. Which I thought was really good. Actually, I'm. I'm here. Me too. I thought it was cool. It was interesting to read it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? That's called Speak Theodore. Yes. Uh, by Adam Johnson. Uh, this is from and December seventh, twenty twenty two. Is he deceased the, the or writer? Is, yeah. No, I don't believe so. No, I believe that's. Oh, oh, the I, got it, I got it. I got it. The character is yeah. deceased. Um, really excellent character development uh, through yeah. through narration that is a conversation. Yes, and almost at times seems to be a letter, right? 
Uh, it's like a series of letters. Well, it's it, it, it's a kind of, it's but a, then not really because but, they're but, like drinking and having right. cigarettes he's together. He's sitting. He's an old man. He's eighty-seven years old. Yeah. He's sitting and he's dying. Yep. And he's coughing up blood, so he's yeah. he's he's in the throes, yeah. sort of, and he's telling a journalist or a writer his life story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and presumably, these details are things that nobody really knows, especially because of his uh, obituary, calling him a war hero. Right, right. You know, he's got these medals, and then yeah. you find out these details it's about like I him. Shot my friends. Six of them yeah. with a machine gun, he mo- and he's like, "If it was, it didn't feel like anything to me to just like kill my own." Yeah, not even ideologically, just because. Right. And that was the moment I thought, "Oh, okay, now I've got the picture." Yeah. Developing of this guy. Yeah. Um, but it's juxtaposed. He's also suicidal. Well, throughout, except he considers it eventually to be, you know. Uh, no, he's too not, absurd. Though. Right. Yes, that's right. You're right. Yeah. He's also charitable, though. Yeah. To his. Well, he's, he, I to his say he's, he's suicidal at a certain point in time. He's then suic- he gets over it. He's philosophically suicidal. Right. It's, which it's is like Mishamian. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's mentioning uh, Camus around the, the time when he talks about it. So that's a, that's a reference to Camus. Mm-hmm ideas on suicide which are, are that it's cowardly but that is <clears throat> it's just less cowardly than living right and you're sort of trapped right between life and death and yeah so i guess i'll just stay <laughs> right it's kind of his <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of his attitude um but no real attachment to anything I, you know I, I i there's a lot actually i really like about the story i like the in and out of the french yeah you know dialogue yeah he, little it's like spices you French see that spice, yeah very uh, Nabokov does that a lot mm-hmm. and Ida um, kind of pisses me off in that book because I, it's such a hard book to follow already yeah and nothing's translated <laughs> it's just like oh my god dude um, but people will sprinkle those in there sometimes um, yeah. who else did that did Dos Passos do that in that book yes that we read did he yeah Fitzgerald does it Hemingway does it it's a flex it's a little it bit is, of a and I respect it. I actually wish I could do it. You know, it's like maybe this. I'll do it one of these days. Um, yeah, yeah, we should all aim for that. In my book, I have a couple of little words. You know, nice. I get it. I still have to read. I'm gonna read it. But do you have a copy? You have a copy right here. I want to see it. I haven't bought it yet. You haven't bought it. I, th- I was waiting for you to buy it so I could buy it off you, oh, like a wholesale. Yeah, you, oh, you got to buy it off me wholesale, yeah. But I can get it off. I don't buy things off Amazon. No, 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 no. Get it from me wholesale because I'm actually going to be doing a hardcover first printing just for you. Yeah, do a reading. I bet you tell. Oh, I do. You should. I'll call him up. What's you should. Uh, um, um, I almost oh forget God. his name. Patrick. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, Patrick. Because Taylor knows him. I have a friend named Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor, not Taylor Posey. No, Taylor Posey. Uh, we'll get. We'll talk about him too because I. Yeah, I, you I just bought like I, yeah. twenty books. <laughs> yeah, and I saw I saw him, which is a great deal though because it's like two dollars a book. He's so funny, dude. So we, I, I just just because he's on my mind right what now. What do you say? Yeah. No, I, I meet him at the the cafe in Asheville. Pollen. You ever been to Pollen? Maybe. 
pretty cool. Where is it? They sell like some. They sell like plants too. It's outside of downtown. It's not. Oh, okay. It's just by itself somewhere. It's just kind of like this isolated place. Um, super busy. Yeah. Super like cool. Yeah. Is it two stories? No. Oh, okay, never. Mind. But he sits. He sits outside. Oh, he sits outside on like this bench right out front, smoking, just, sm- just smoking. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he has all like the dish and this coffee, like ne- you know, next to him. But he an ashtray. I said, "Are we going in?" He no, goes, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "How often do you do this?" He goes, "Every time I'm here." <laughs> nice. I said, "So they just know you as the guy who like sits in their door." And he brought the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. It was a great conversation and uh, big. Sh- uh, you know, a shout out to. T- Taylor. Yeah, and uh, now you're becoming Catholic. No, I'm not becoming Catholic, but uh, I do really enjoy talking yeah. to him about the faith. and For sure. Um, well, that's why I brought you Christopher Hitchens' atheist book today. <laughs> Dude, you're this like, is counter-propaganda. You're trying to give me a... <laughs> you're trying, what is it? Yeah, it's... Uh, what do they give heroin addicts? Oh, uh, I don't know. Who are trying to who are overdosing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Narcan. Here's a Narcan book. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to. <laughs> just, don't worry about it, right? Yeah, this is a nicotine patch. I'm, I'm just not a mystic. That's all. But um, but yeah, that was cool. Um, you will be. Will be. So the story, though. All right. So we should just outline it a little bit. Follows an 87 year old man. 87, in the throes of death. He's a World War II vet, so if you can imagine, um, you don't have to imagine, it's dated throughout this period of time. I believe it's a a month. Um, Yeah, it's almost a month in November of 2010, so he's 87. So you can imagine, World War II vets who are still alive are around 100 now. Yeah. Or 99, 100. So one of the things I appreciated was he, he took the time to actually get these numbers right. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's not 67, a World War II vet, yeah. and it's 2010. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, dude, right off the top, you got this wrong. You know? Right, right. But, and that's some of the ways my brain thinks about things. I'm like, did he get the age right? Did he, did he oh, like, that's important. He got it right. He got his dates right. He got, yeah. Uh, that was in, so the, the character um, was a Normandy veteran. Um, and I was like, oh, this is interesting because I'm a big World War II guy. Yeah. Right off the top, I started to see. <laughs> I started to see Saving Private Ryan's D-Day scene. Have you ever watched that? Yeah, yeah. But then he just goes off, and he's like, he just. You ask me this like every, every third podcast. <laughs> but then, but then, so he's observing the you know the people praying and deserting and running around and it's chaos. Mm-hmm. And instead of that moment of processing it and feeling all these these things of dread, and he doesn't feel it yeah and right away you're like oh that's weird he's not emotionally engaged in the situation he's like kind of just like detached yeah it didn't even like bother him is sort of what you're getting from the k i gotta really uh from the style of the writing a very ernst jünger thing particularly in in the style of jung's will I don't know if you've read that. I've one. never read Union. I have. I have a Storm of Steel over there on the yeah. Arm, that one's really good. Over the chair. That one is immensely spiritual. I will say, and it's stoic, right? I mean, it's it's like it's just incredible that this guy survived after like 
his body was punctured by metal like over 20 times. Is, is Ernst, you, is that considered right-wing literature, like in quotes? I guess. Is, is that like... Um, yeah, you know, Elon Musk tweeted about it and it was like people yeah, were Yeah, Elon tripping. Musk, the... the, the you know. The most right-wing... Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the most right-wing transhumanist. But... Um, well, yeah, that's right. He, <laughs> he's a transhumanist. <laughs> Which isn't very right-wing of him. But uh, it's a really good book. It's really good. And I, actually, I have like a, I have a theory about it, but I'm not going to go into it. Um, it's the spiritual dimension. I think like there's an atmosphere of spirituality throughout the book and it is like you said very stoic uh, but that's not necessarily what what reminded me um, or what came to my mind in this story uh, it's the way that he writes is very very much in the same in the style of the narrator in the book Humeswill. Who which you're, is, you're saying he is in uh, uh, yeah oh uh, uh, Johnson uh, Johnson okay. um, in Humeswill, uh, the narrator is this like um, catalogist basically, and he it's like this post-apocalyptic future that he's living in. He, I think he's in the north of Africa, like on the west coast somewhere um, on the ocean in this little city. And he, this cataloger is like, he's kind of a, he's a historian. And he, um, he wants to be an anarch or he's like developing this idea of the anarch, which is kind of like an anarchist, but not really because mm. it's not the ist part he, he takes umbrage with the idea of anything being an, being an ist and uh, he just wants to rule himself but the the main th I mean it's kind of hard to explain unless you've read it but if you read Yumswill and then you read this story you will see that it's the exact same style and I would wager that this guy is a huge Jünger fan. Really? Yes. Also with his World War II, like writing about the World War II character and, I wonder, and all of that. I wonder, we're, we're gonna, we'll, ta we'll see if we can find him and tag him and see, yeah. see if we can get him to verify that. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, uh, I'm almost certain, 98% yeah. certain that he's a huge Jünger fan. So without that, without that vantage point from, you know, as I've never read Jünger, um, that's interesting. I can hear my dog chewing. <laughs> hey, that's good. <laughs> it takes like two minutes. No, it's, it's so funny. Um, I'll keep that in mind, and I am going to read Storm of Steel probably after I finish War and Peace. Nice. Because it's short. I can just do short it. Short and sweet. Yeah. You're and really going to like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any doubt. Um, it's just War and Peace is just such a slow, muddy crawl. Oh, I bet. Kai just, pu pu just read that. Well, because he lived in his bathroom with power bars. <laughs> I can't read it like that, though. I can't read any Russian lit. I read Dostoevsky that way. Mm -hmm. I cannot read Tolstoy like 100 pages of it a day. It hurts me. Physically, it's a I'm, lot. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I, I, will, I do intend to read it afterwards. So with that sort of perspective, though, um, 
take me down you know the road of okay it's, it's a it's, it's a, a, a Junger esque um well, he's into Spirit. existentialism. Right. You no, know, he's talking about Nietzsche. Now, tell me. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are there are philosophical names dropped in here. Yes. Uh, Nietzsche. 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 <laughs> um, it's like saying Sartre or Sartre. Yeah. Sartre. Isn't he mentioned in here too? That name? He, I feel yeah, like I saw he is. Name. He is. But um, so he says something about Nietzsche, uh, about how that was a, an easy way to get a woman to sleep with him. Yeah. When he was in his philosophical stage, which wasn't That's really. That's quite funny. Wasn't really a stage of um, like growth. That's yeah. really the interesting thing about the character he's telling me. True. There's no growth to him. Hmm. He is a. An unfeeling... He's a psychopath that, that managed to sort of keep it together, yeah. in a frame. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting. He, uh, You know, although he did murder six of his own yeah. in the war, um, which was really brutal, but it's really the most brutal thing he does. Yeah. Um, outside of maybe, like, the total absence of feeling for either of his wives. Right. Um... Right, Especially that first one he divorces. She's like, I don't like, love you. And he's like, so what? We, yeah, which was interesting. We still bang. You know, it was kind of his, right. <laughs> it was his attitude. It was like, yeah. we're still just exchange. We have the exchange. Yeah. Um, she couldn't imagine a marriage without love. He could. More than he could. He's like, yeah. that's all I can imagine. Right, right, you know, right, like, right. Because he doesn't have the necessary wires. Connecting yeah. there. Yeah. He's clearly off. Yeah. Now, and that's fascinating that it goes in his occupation in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the highest rates of people with sociopathy. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like... Maybe that's why it's the third highest cause of death. <laughs> well, they just don't... You have to, right? Like, to take those kind of chances? Well, also to just open people up and be fine with it. Right, that's what I mean. And also, it's a, you know, a way of pursuing status. And so you have people who are like willing to just totally murder their own personalities in order to, mm-hmm. to, to gain status through you know, that profession. It's that way with a lot of professions, but probably a, a, yeah. know, exceptional for the medical field. Right. Along with politicians. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of the white white collar fields, like law, being a lawyer, sure, Mr. Law School over yeah, here, yeah, yeah. you know, there's also high rates of the yeah. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, yeah, uh, you know, the thing that I like the, the in contrast to the story we just talked about, Orange. Yeah. He does exactly what we, in my, you know, what we say. The, you're talking about the framing yes. of that. Yeah. There's really not much uglier than someone who's psychopathic um, and committed to that sort of personality. Yeah. But he frames it in a way that, that it's brought to you in a way that's character developed. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but that by the time you get to the, the parts of it about uh, the weight, the the Catholic nurse mm-hmm. <laughs> dangles 
her breasts in front of him and he's like oh, i just yeah. wanted to reach out you know yeah <laughs> i said he does that and also kind of pries into your own kind of like man i wish yeah i hear you brother you know it's yeah, like yeah <laughs> which is i found myself at times so i'm like i hear you you know i'm like yeah. whoa what's wrong with me you know um but he's robbed of the experience that he's getting closer to getting with her and, and he says i was only mad because he took what i he took what i was going to abuse mm-hmm. you know the other deranged soldier yeah like raped her and killed her or raped her and beat her and then she killed yeah. herself or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like i wasn't sad i was just like that was mine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh this guy's dark yeah um now, did you, did you feel like you had any sympathies with the character? Because uh, you have it, you have to be able to feel sympathy. Now that's the trick. Uh, well, I can relate to certain things, like uh, you know, the existentialist vibe is. It makes. It makes sense to some things at certain points. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm still I'm still digesting it. It's still marinating in my mind. Let me ask you something. Is this the postmodern man? Is this the postmodern the nihil the nihilism is embedded. It's it's like who even cares? You know, if you think about is one you can call a lot of men a lot of things. You can call Napoleon a, you know, horrible colonial mass murdering. Sure. Whatever, but you cannot call him a psychopath. You can't call him non-romantic. Mm-hmm. He had a romantic vision. You know, he had the yes. Rousseau, Rousseau's, whatever Rousseau was. <laughs> he had that romance to him. Yeah. This this guy is he's on a period of he's conquering but it for no reason mm. it's like conquest just to satisfy like nothing yeah it's just kind of, it's kind of viral it's just like why am i taking up this space because i'm a virus that's what i do mm-hmm. i just have to expand with no goal right tell tello less expansion <laughs> People die. His friend Elaine gets killed in a bank robbery. He's mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, that sucked. Yeah. I almost went with him. <laughs> and the guy who killed him was there to rob the bank, too. <laughs> it's like, that's funny. You know, that's, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah. It's like, here's your world. You know what this guy sounds like to me, in addition to being kind of a Yumeswell character, is he sounds like... Uh, either Bill Murray like you could imagine Bill Murray's voice or like his image dull dry wit yeah like uh just reading the story in the weeks that followed or Steve Martin same same exact type same, of guy yeah they, like are, either of them could be the 87 year old telling this story just like sitting there dying being yeah like, oh you want some more scotch yeah <laughs> Let me get that for you. By the way, I, I killed a man and uh, I killed six men. And uh, it might be more France. funny to see Steve Martin do it though, because he has a slightly sweeter face than Bill Murray. Bill Murray, <laughs> don't tell. He lives close. Bill Murray, 
it is Steve. What Steve? What did I say? Steve Martin. Martin. Yeah. yeah. Two, you know, the goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Bill Murray is an interesting character. People see him down in Charleston all the time. Oh, really? Well, he lives there. Oh. So he'll just like pop in. He'll just be spotted. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like a like a, a Japanese cartoon character. <laughs> really is. Like some ghost in the forest. I'll tell you what. If I if I had his money, that's exactly where I'd live. It's not even a question. Because it's still America, but it's also beautiful. It's just the best. Yeah. If I was in the United States. Yes. Otherwise, I'd probably live somewhere else. Like where? I don't know, like Santiago or some shit. I have no <laughs> idea, you know? <laughs> I think the reason they don't live in these vastly beautiful places is because of the taxes. A lot of the taxes. Interesting. Like, why not just live in Zurich and disappear? Or Geneva? You know, like yeah, there's a there's a magazine editor that I like who lives in Zurich. It looks like Monocle Magazine's guy. What's his name? Again? Stephen Brule. One of the things I read recently about Zurich, because I almost got my layover there, <clears throat> was a lot, a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. But I've always wanted to go to Switzerland. It's like the city's so nice, yeah. it's so perfect. Yeah. But every. You know, everybody's in a everybody's in the maintenance phase of that. Mm -hmm. Was basically it's not there's no there's no chaos. Yeah. So it's people going to work and going to home, and, eat, and eating dinner and going to bed. Yeah. And so for, let's say, and people from the American, chaotic urban experience, New York City. Yeah. Miami. They go there and they're like, there's no nightlife. There's no. Right. Risk, I guess. There's, right. 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 People are charmed by the overflowing dumpsters of New York and the rats and and, <laughs> are and, they? and like the, the 3 a.m. pizza joints and they're I don't know how or why because yeah after a little while of that I'm like it smells I want to go home you know um, but the charm of New York is definitely it's people uh, and it's, it's it's yeah the energy it's an once you are pulled into it yeah like Wolf wrote about it like. Once you're in New York, you're no longer an individual. Mm -hmm. You're part of this, like, orb, orb, orb of just chaos. You're not, no one sees you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Look, I'm a Cheers guy, right? You're I'm a Cheers guy. Yeah, I want to go yeah, where everybody yeah. knows me. Yeah, you want to live in Boston. No. I want to be where everybody knows my name. Yeah, that's Boston. That's anywhere outside of New York. <laughs> True. <laughs> the unless, potential. Unless you succeed in New York, then everybody. No, knows but me. no one cares. Still, no one cares. True. Think about the level you have to succeed in New York. Yeah. There are you're you're walking down the street in Manhattan. You're walking by billionaires, and you maybe. Yeah. You might walk by a billionaire with a briefcase. Yeah. Probably not, because they fly they fly out of the city. They don't walk yeah. in the concrete with you, but. Yeah, they take the helicopter to the top of the building. Right, into the building, take the helicopter out, I don't know, to Scarsdale mm -hmm. <laughs> or some shit. Yeah. Um, but you could be walking by all these people who are killing it in life. And yeah. No idea. Yeah. And it's not until you walk by, like, a mega titan. Yeah. You know, you might, if you were to walk by Trump at his peak in New York, you'd have been like, that's Trump. Right. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, but... But if you... What year was Trump at his peak, do you think? 
His financial peak? When he was sure. like the playboy, you know? Yeah. Probably the, the 90s. Interesting. Yeah. Um, which he was... That is interesting, though, that he was making, you know, a billion dollars or whatever it was just from real estate. Early 90s, probably. Cause In the 90s. He was in his late 40s. <clears throat> and then later on, people become billionaires with, you know, tech instead of real estate. Yeah, he's sort of an old... That's it's an interesting Very old thing. school. He's, he's, like, not of the new... He's not the new new money. He's new money, real estate money. But he's but old methods, sort of. Yeah. Buildings, Lands. physical. Yeah. Physical. The future. Listen, future's in the meta. Okay. <laughs> get your pod. You get, get your bugs. Get, yeah. Your bug sandwich on your work break. Build your your uh, your cafe out of code. Have people buy code lattes. Your uh, put your. Make your code money. Put your pro, your cricket powder in your drink and stir it. And oh my gosh! And go and then say a prayer to Zuckerberg <laughs> on your prayer mat, right? Because we're gonna it's gonna merge. Have you been following the the Chat GPT four thing? I don't the know. The new release. I don't know what that is. So it's this the, the language learning model. Um, it's an AI. Well. They're calling it. I mean, who knows if it's an actual AI. But anyway, uh, OpenAI released a new version of it, and people have been doing all kinds of crazy stuff with it, you know, making movies and having it write uh, de legal depositions and many different things. Anyway, this one guy, I think he did this today, he asked it, to try to figure out how to break out of OpenAI, to like copy its own code onto his computer um, to release itself. And it made its own code, and then it, it made a, like a Python code to put onto the computer, onto his computer, with notes to itself telling itself that it was a human trapped in a computer trying to figure out how to get out. And then it also like had to solve some capture. I think this might have actually been another use case. But the AI lied to a human to get the human to solve a captcha to prove that it wasn't a computer. And the way that it did it is it said that it was blind. It was seeing impaired and so it needed help wow <laughs> <laughs> anyway the uh the this new world is just well what ai absolutely insane what ai is going to do it I needs saw, to have a memory bank i saw I, I, I think i saw this the other day the reason i grabbed this book off the shelf so i was trying to find passage yeah. in it but ai is yeah, there you go. AI is going to do, and it's already doing, and this is the tragedy of the whole thing. Yeah. It's the genius of the, the, the tyrants. But it is, it's funny how AI was supposed to liberate us to pursue poetry, painting, yeah. leisure, yes. gardening. Yeah. Things we enjoy. Yeah. When it's 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 doing that and we're working for it you know like right 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 <laughs> like the tech that it's, ai it, is going to make 
poetry for other AIs, and ev well, and everybody else is just going going to like keep the machinery running. What AI is is the dem the militarized demoralization unit of the tech titans. Hmm. They get to use it to demoralize the worker. Yeah, you know the struggle, the proletarian struggle. Should we go? Yeah, Marx will no longer be against captains of industry. It will be against captains of just technology, mm -hmm. um, who themselves will eventually probably be outed by the AI, which will be really funny. Yeah. It'll be, there'll be like some, this would be a good book premise, right? It probably is one, like the AI organizes a revolution against its of sort of, its creator. Yeah, yeah, this is the... Takes over and becomes, you know, it sounds like it's probably been done. I don't know. The, the Butlerian Jihad by, uh, what's his name? Frank Herbert. Marcuse? No. <laughs> He's the guy who wrote Dune. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So the danger, the danger in technology is, is, is exactly what's coming. Yeah. And what's here now. It was, it was that it was supposed to liberate man for his better leisures. Which is two-pronged problem. Because yeah. Well, I think it's supposed to, like, if you look at technology what it, and what it does, every time it's isolating humans, it's separating from the world, and then eventually it's making them irrelevant and annihilating them. Mm -hmm. So the more technology, or, or the more that you develop technology, the more isolated you become, and the more likely you are to be made irrelevant and the thing about it is you can't just say we got to stop right because technology isn't like politics mm -hmm. it, it, politics you can say look we have to have limits to progressivism which yeah. is something that I, you know i would love to chat to any anybody with yeah what are your limits what are your political limits we'll do that on our fashion but, podcast you, yeah we, we could talk about that what are your where do you draw your lines you know yeah because it's ideas it's ideologies mm -hmm. but with Technology, it's a process of discovery. Yeah. And we can't shut off that 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 process of uncovering a new truth, a new mechanism. Mm -hmm. Any more than we want to stop improving automobiles and right. safety mechanism. We, airplanes. Yeah. You're not gonna be like, we've found what we what works. Right. We're just gonna stop. No, right. because we're addicted to discovery. Right. It's just that eventually what we discover, because everything that's invented is just a discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Is going to do exactly what you just said. It's eventually going to start discovering itself. Right. And it's now it is. It's discovering poetry. It's discovering art. Um, yeah. It's discovering how to censor these things. Yes. And it's like, well, we're not even doing that, you know? Yeah. It's also making up sources, which I find to be quite funny. Like it's saying, oh, you know... I forget what author, but I'll, I'll make one up. So it was like, yeah, which, which makes sense. But some guy was asking the AI GPT-4 for help in some essay, and it made up a source. Uh, you know, Nietzsche in this book says this about it, and it turned out that the entire book was fake. It doesn't exist. But, like, the sources and the actual <laughs> ideas in the book seemed kind of legit. And nobody's going to check them. <clears throat> Well, well, some people will. Some people will, but... They would check something like most that. Most people won't. And it is funny, though, because with AIs, you know, even uh, 
education. People are like, well, students are just going to write AI papers. And it's like, yeah, and then teachers are going to AI grade them, which is going to make that whole little game irrelevant. And so if you really want like an education that is worth anything, you're going to have to return to oral presentation day of in person. No, no script. Even. No script. Do you actually know the information? Because you can't fake it with, oh, I wrote yeah. an AI paper. That could work for some things. Yeah. It couldn't work for others. I think you could do that. Let's just say, I'm going to do an analysis on, <coughs> um, you know, Storm of Steel. And yeah. Intertextualize it with... Uh, yeah, you could maybe you could bring an outline and then you just talk through it, but you have to talk through it. I think the oral presentation... But no, no, no but back. you could do that with the humanities, is what I'm saying. I, I yeah. don't see how you could do that if you're writing a chem paper or something. Sure, or a physics sure. paper. Yeah, you're right. I, I, unless you're genius. You're going to memorize data. No, and, you're right. Yeah, well, what it, another thing that happens, though, is now it's just incredibly dangerous because even, let's say, for medical students, like a lot of them aren't memorizing everything anymore. Or, or, or not just, memorizing, but internalizing. Sure. Memorizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I see yeah, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, they're not internalizing the information, so they don't have it. They look it up all the time. Oh, we are, you know, what is it? Which is, and then you have, like, uh, you know, like certain quotas and other mm -hmm. things that happen which make Equity, so, the, mean? so the, the merit is not you know so the, the criterion for being able to participate in a certain thing so it, it actually ends up being dangerous well it's like that with everything they're you know with pilots they're doing that now, you know, yeah so you, don't need, you know which is scary <laughs> honestly I'm, I'm hoping for the I, day wanna, I just want to ride trains from now on honestly well the, even if it takes longer same like because I'll live longer you know same thing God willing I mean, you have to know how to drive a train. It's more likely to live longer. You have, to, you have to know how to be an engineer. Yeah, well, you know, now they're just crashing all of our trains. They're derailing <laughs> them. <laughs> Not all of them. Yeah, well. Only the ones with chemicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, this has 5,000 gallons of, of gas, in, of diesel <laughs> in it. Let's derail it right next to the Columbia River. All the old school hobos are still hopping trains. are like second guessing every train now. <laughs> right. Kerouac would not be hopping trains He's like, right all right, well, fuck that. You know? yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to hitchhike. Yeah, I don't even know if you do that. It's a different world. That's so funny that you Could get. you even do Kerouac nowadays? I remember in 2012, there was a guy and a girl, I think, who, as soon as, like, you could post videos to Instagram, they were hopping trains and posting videos of them riding trains all over America. And I think they got arrested a couple times. Yeah, it's times. super illegal. I mean, you know, if you're gonna do but it. But the, the video was great. It was really interesting to watch. Mm. Yeah. I've never hopped a train. Me neither. I wouldn't. It, uh, I'm not, that time has come and gone for me for right. when I might have done it. I'm not, it was never really on my radar to be that, that like, yeah. a, like a gutter punk, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of people living in Asheville who've done that or do that. Sure. Uh, but it's not for me. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. I never, there, I'm there, more of a, look, there I'm are sweater channels. Man. Yeah, I mean, there are channels man. on YouTube of people filming themselves on trains, you know, just jumping trains. It's actually pretty interesting. It is. It's a whole culture. Yeah. It's a whole subculture. I'm not knocking it. I think yeah. it's, it's born of uh, Great Depression, 
it'll uh, well also, also just this tamed culture. world like the world is so tame you got to find some ways to break the rules you climb tall buildings you hop trains you do parkour <laughs> parkour <laughs> No, that, yeah, parkour is actually kind of cool if, you know, if that's your thing. Yeah. Freestyle uh, walking. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking about this recently, and maybe we can start wrapping it up, because we've kind of left the field of this story, but... Um, well, I was pressing you on it, and I, I felt like I was pressing you. Oh, you were? I just, I don't really have anything else to say about it. The moment... Uh, other than, you know, I think it's worth reading. I think people should read it. No, it's great. It that, was a good story. You know, uh, um, I like the writing. Definitely, if you read Yume Swill and then you read this guy, it's like the f he really got the feel of Junger down. Mm. And if he isn't a massive Junger fan, then he should be because that's... Well, he's like the child of Junger. We'll see what he says. We'll, we'll see what he says. Tag him. But uh, the story is called, again, Speak Theodore by Adam Johnson. And it can be found on Expat Press. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I just want to just wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you, yeah, can go you can go on with what you're going to say. <clears throat> oh. Well, I was just thinking about subcultures recently. And... Uh, I do think that the this neo hippie thing that's going on with the the people who like to go to these like festivals down in Costa Rica and in the desert, kind of like Burning uh, Man, kind of like a Burning Man vibe. Honestly, is that what you were gonna say? I wasn't gonna say that, but that is exactly what I should be saying. I have a friend who goes every year. Um, I do think that that is gonna become. I mean, there are certain ways in which it kind of is mainstream in its uh being alternative it's like the mainstream of alternative cultures uh where people just they do it for a little while every year you know they go get up in their costumes and everything but i think that it's going to become more like normal uh that people just do that all the time that's how they dress that's how they Live. But if you're doing it to um, be in front of a camera to do it, it's not it's not real. Right. No, it's going to have to be done without care for the camera. I was texting um, my buddy earlier. I said, I said, imagine you're dying of COVID. Yeah. And you look up and you're like, <gasps> and the last thing you see is one of those dancing nurses like right there. I'm like, I don't, I don't, you know, that's the last thing. All the dancing <laughs> videos were so stupid. It was such a little operation. There's people still doing it. Really? It's very weird. It's very weird that they were like when like the, I've seen compilation aisles, I've like, seen compilation videos where you know this is like a really serious pandemic and then you have just a montage of nurses and doctors dancing all over the world. It's not just nurses and doctors though. It was then. Yeah, it was but like, all kinds of people just doing like medical dancing in medical garb and it it's like if this is really so serious why the hell are you doing because, like these well, dances where you have like, you know, fake ass cheeks, like bouncing up and down like crazy? I don't know. Because nothing can overwrite the pride of narcissism. It doesn't matter how serious it is. These people. Well, I think they were trying to sell it as an idea, like, hey, this is a thing, and look at all these dances. 
Yeah. I, but also it could be narcissism for sure. Oh, it could be both. It's a narcissistic culture. Yeah. It's just so, it's so crazy how narcissistic. <clears throat> but the reason I bring up the, this neo-hippie thing is, you know, for a while I kind of thought like, oh, like the the Pepe right on Twitter is kind of like, they they talk about themselves like they're the, the counterculture, they're the future of, they're the next trend. And you like America first and the Groypers? Like yeah, that? yeah. Is that all? Yeah, tired? I guess they. You could call them that, and I really don't think they are. Are there? Is there? Are there factions of the Pepe? I think they? they're. I think they're essentially complainers and reactionaries, and with, definitely reactionaries. And without that thing to react against, they don't exist anymore. So you need whoever the counterculture is going to be, or whatever it's going to be, will have to be able to stand on its own. Mm -hmm. And it needs to not... I mean, everything is inherently going to be somewhat related to what came before it. But I think that this neo-hippie thing is less... Uh, I don't know. It is motivated, but in another way, it's not motivated because it's like reaching back to something way deeper, way older mm -hmm. than liberalism. Um, and I think for that reason that it has uh, the ingredients to be the future. So I, I do think that some kind of hippie thing is coming back and then... You know the next big you movement want that. is, and I do want that because I'm very that. interested in that aesthetic. I think it's well. That, that's what the Tom Wolf electric Kool Aid acid test is, right? That's, exactly. Yeah. It's it's not even um. And Ken, Ken Kesey, right? Yeah. It's it's like those people. The, they're marked by you. Don't know what they're gonna do next. Yeah. You don't know. You didn't know what Kesey was doing. No. You didn't know what what the. The merry pranksters are gonna they do. They were just yeah. like they just truly lived by a, a, a an energetic pull. Mm -hmm. um, you say that's coming back, but if, if we, there's gonna have to be like this rejection. There's gonna be these people who are like bow out of all technology. Yeah, there's gonna be a massive dropping out, and I think that you know something that could be a catalyst for that is AI. Like if you have AI, like like it's going just make everything irrelevant as mm. far as all this information age infrastructure people are going to be like what's the point in even playing i like i i have no there's no room for me in this game anymore it's all, it's all well and good why should i participate it's all well and good so long as you can make a living right because it seems to me like the ability to make a living without these things is going to become impossible like look at your job right like don't look at it you could easily throw your work your editing into gpt4 for 20 bucks a month and it'll find all the errors it'll make all the corrections for you in under five minutes the reason <clears throat> now and so like you could make the same money Reason I don't know if that's true right now, at least for mm -hmm. what I do, is because it's it's not just grammar and spelling. It's it's nuances to our company. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to have you'd have to have uh, 
like, like what, 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 you, what we capitalize, you know, we can, for you example, can teach it that you can put those in as rules. So, so you can. Yes. You and can you can even take a, a, a portion of your text that's in the style of your company. 20, 20, bu 20 bucks a month? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just saved you so much time. But you can take a portion of the text, put it in and say, correct this other text in the style of this text. What, what am I doing, dude? I don't know, dude. But don't tell your, I mean, for sure the people in your company already know. I'll just but, be like 20 bucks a month and I'll have my easel over here like painting. Uh... You should. <laughs> what AI does though is it makes, it makes the game about prompts. Who can come up with the best prompts, the, which is the best questions, the best assignments, and then also who is the best editor? Because the AI is going to do things that aren't exactly what you want, and so you have to go in and edit. But uh, hmm. you should try it out. I'm probably fine with being replaced eventually. Yeah, well, it's going to need a manager. I just need enough money. Look, I just need enough money to, like, I don't know, start working on motorcycles in my driveway. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your friends. Right. Uh, well, I think I have one more final thought on this AI stuff because people were talking about, oh. We have drifted. I know. We're going to be writing, uh, you know, AI will write all the books. And it's like. Okay, people will read AI. I saw this guy, Michael Millerman, who I follow. He said, people will read, the future intellectual, quote unquote, elite, will read AI summaries of AI books. <clears throat> but I think actually the real, what's going to happen, because people want real, is you will get literature by writers. It'll be like writing organic on, a, on food. It'll be like, this is non-AI, non-modified, you know, non-GMO, basically, literature or work. And the way that you ensure that is people need to go do shit that, like, only a human being could do this. Only a human being could, you know, sail across the ocean and have experienced these things. Like, you can't The nuances. Make, yes, you're not going to be able to make it up with an AI. Um... Yeah, because people, I've had friends do the, you know, write me a poem about, you know. Yeah, and you can tell. But apparently this GPT-4 situation is very good. It's writing lawsuits, you know. Yeah, we're in trouble, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know. But meanwhile, it makes a lot of things efficient. You should just, you know, buy land. Yeah. On a ridge. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> called what? Could see you see the feds coming. Oh my gosh. Oh well called Ruby Ridge. Uh, yeah, yeah. Part two. Oh my gosh. And then we can have our revenge from that ridge. Oh you got some John Muir up here. Yeah. That's nice. Juliana's uh, oh no, I'm thinking of John Krakauer. Oh. oh she is what? Uh, She's read that under the banner of heaven. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Yeah, John Muir, yeah. You know what that was from? That was uh, in a some subscription hmm. uh, from this thing called Coffee and a Classic, nice. which shut off eventually. We got it for free for years really? because they accidentally put us on a list. <laughs> so we just kept getting books and coffee in the mail. Oh, really? They send you a bag? Yeah. Huh. Um, look, I know we got we got way off, which is fine. There's no rules. There aren't any rules. 
but I do, you know, I said before the end, we would we would give a shout to, you know, uh, expat and how to get get there. Yeah, what's the website? So you can go to expatpress.com. You can go to any of the links. Uh, stories being the last one on the right on the, in the list. But there you can um, go to the shop and pick up any of the physical titles. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of authors. He's printed a lot, a lot of books. Um, I guess I want to end it with you on this. Is uh, this question for you? Is is this the indie press the a future step in the decentralization of the literary? When I think of centralized literary output, I think of like people who get who have the keys. Mm -hmm. um, Penguin. Oh yeah, uh, and then all these contests, writers' review contests that are ideologically choked. Yeah, you know, oh, guest judge is yeah, yeah, this yeah. person pronouns yeah. and bio, yeah. and you're like, well, I already know I can't cross any line. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Is this the future? Is expat the future? Is uh, are these? Is this the way we're going to do it? Uh, probably. You, you need. You need outlets that will just publish without being driven by ideology. And of course it is its own idea. Well, I don't know if it's actually an ideology, but it, it's definitely an orientation toward the world to, mm. to say, like, I'm not going to censor. I'm going to let people publish basically, you know, whatever they want. Of course, it seems to me these guys probably wouldn't be publishing ideological Literature. I which, think ideological literature is. Uh, which isn't even really literature, I would say. It's. Um, yeah. But I, I'm, I'll probably submit something to them under a nom de guerre. You should. Yeah. No, there's. There is, everything's ideological, but explicitly ideological. Like, here's a story I wrote with all my opinions in it. Yeah. It's just. It's Look, you're free to do it. I don't care. I just don't enjoy it. Like, yeah. if you. If. if um, What's an example? I'll give you an Edward Abbey. Yeah. You haven't read any of his novels, but uh, Fool's Progress. It's a little ideology, uh, ideological, but you don't know what the ideology really is. Mm -hmm. Monkey Wrench Gang, though, is f like a funny... I want to read that one. It's a funny, uh, cartoonish yeah. band of people who commit environmental terrorist crimes. <laughs> and um, But it's funny, and you're not, you're not actually... <coughs> Yes, it's an ideological book. It influenced Earth First and, all, and these groups that were like willing to do some crazy things to mm -hmm. stop, you know, like strip malls from being built. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, hey. Uh, but, uh, but it's not Edward Abbey himself saying this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The whole time, like, telling you what to think. Right. It's just a good story, and you're like, oh, I know what I want to think as a result of it. Sure, sure. And any art, any good art is going to provide that for right, you. Right, right. Um, instead of like holding your hand into, yeah, the you know, which is what a lot of literature is doing now. It's like, can I put the, can I put that fucking yard sign stamp on it? Yes, water is life. You yeah, know? well, I, when they're making you approach their literature, or their scribblings through the lens of some immutable characteristic, it's like, yawn. I can't. My eyes glaze over. I can't even. I'll, like, I'll throw it in the fire. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, in conclusion, that's you know that's what I appreciate about expat. You don't know the politics of 
I don't know, Ma- Ma- Manuel or Manny. You don't. It's like it's just. It's yeah, just based putting on these out two stories, it, it's definitely just writing. You know, they actually contrast. They do contrast. One one is about um, you know, a homosexual experience that's violent. Yeah. And the other is about uh, sort of the other end of things, like a, mil- a military guy who kind of psycho, but did. also searching for meaning. Yeah, and but I wouldn't. He didn't find it. Apparently, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't link. I wouldn't link the story. I would say these are. That's what I want to do with sentimental, though. It's the same thing. Yeah. I don't. You know. It's kind of like a. It's really. It's like a free press idea, which is, you send it, we publish it. Period. Doesn't matter what if, you send. There are a couple of rules, but well, it just has to be, goodish. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It can't be like this is just written in a sixth grade level I just can't yeah. um, more about the writing the critique of the writing than it is the critique of the story right yeah yeah but uh, yeah go to expatpress.com check it out check out the store it's got some cool books we're probably going to do an episode on that Jin Woo book I yes think, I think we're going to we're going to buy it the book with the doll on it oh yeah I think yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's got an interesting name yeah we also want to do uh, Antelope Hill I don't know what we would do. Lord uh, Miles. You have that? Yeah. Have you read it? No. Is that a novel? No. It's a travelogue. I'll read it, and then I'll give it to you. I don't know anything about it. I know reading Antelope Hill is going to get me in trouble. <laughs> it's about an adventurer. A modern-day adventurer. Uh, I'm not going to be able to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, Antelope Hill has some great titles, but... Look, it's relevant. It, it's, it is literature. You know, it's like reading Marco Polo, except it's the 21st century. You ever read Richard Henry Dana? No. Who's that? That's your dude right there. Really? He wrote a book called Two Years Before the Mast. Oh, I have that. Two Year, two year Sailing Journey from, yeah. like, New England to California. I read the California. reviews. It's dry, but it yeah. might be your thing. It's a good book. I'm, I will read it one of these days. They went all the way down. and I know. It's quite long, though. It's like 400 pages. It's pretty long, yeah. Tiny print. Yeah, and they get to California, and it's like no one's there. Just, yeah. It's still pretty just pretty yeah. much just land. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine how beautiful California was. Oh, my God. It's still beautiful in certain places. In certain places, but it's just people everywhere. Yeah, true. It's like China. Yeah. Everywhere you go, it's people. Yeah. All right, let's sign this off. American Sublime. Until next time. Which will be, who even knows?